Welcome to The Bag Drop, untold stories in golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today's episode features a trio of guests and a real spring awakening of a conversation. Joining me are three of the founders from Gruder Golf. Started by their founding foursome, Kiki Gruder, Jen Corcoran, Haley Hillsland, and Aaron Donnelly. Simply put, Gruder Golf is our kind of people. They create unique ways for women to meet other women interested in golf by removing some of the barriers that we all know have plagued our game here in the U.S. They are currently hosting in-person and virtual events like their weekend warm-ups and Sunday service at Five Iron Golf locations in Chicago, New York City, Philly, and Baltimore. They also host one of my favorite new golf podcasts out there, Low Expectations, a show I was recently a guest of, and you should go over and check out. It's a, it's a great listen. Today, though, we have another great listen. We cover all kinds of ground in this one with this group, uh, their feelings around being early golfers and why it was important for them to have a group of females that they could rely on, uh, what moves they've been making, you know, forced because of the pandemic and where Gruder Golf Ladies Club envisions their next chapter heading. Speaking of chapters, the golf season is just getting started. And like any good story that unfolds, it needs a strong beginning. And I can't think of a better opening chapter than our annual spring meeting this year. The official partner of our spring meeting is Golf Blueprint. And what we have planned for April 17th at Sweetens Cove is going to be something we'll be talking about until the final chapters of the season. So if you haven't signed up yet, registration is still open for another two weeks and available in the mobile app. There will be formats you've never played before. There will be Illuminati holes that you've never seen before. There will be drinks, food, social distance, music, prizes, and of course, our official partners from Golf Blueprint. So if you are a member of New Club, you can sign up for both the spring meeting and an exclusive Golf Blueprint package that we have available in the app. You will receive six Golf Blueprint practice plans delivered monthly at a 25% discount compared to their standard memberships. I started using Golf Blueprint as a very skeptic friend of these guys, and I will just tell you, it is awesome. I've seen tons of gains, and I think the one thing I'm definitely getting back is more time, not just in my day, but when I go out to practice, I have a plan thanks to these guys, and I don't have to spend any time figuring out what the hell I'm going to do out there. It, it really is uh, focus, and I've seen some, some awesome improvements. If you are not a member of New Club, you can still check these guys out. Go over to golfblueprint.com. And without further ado, on to the show with the founders of Gruder Golf. Jen Corcoran, Haley Hillsland, welcome to the bag drop. Thank you so much. How exciting. Founders, Very to be here. Founders of Gruder Golf, it's good to have you guys on the bag drop. I uh, was just on the Low Expectations pod which I think needs to be rebranded to the high expectations <laughs> pod. I followed at least the, the episode I listened to just before getting on the pod was Jan, Daniel Kang. Uh, I have not had that caliber of guest, um, but you guys are close. So I, I appreciate you coming on, on this side of it. Hey, absolutely anytime. And, you know, in terms of the expectations, you know, our, our expectations remain low. The, the, everything. the second line of it is really high hopes. So you keep your hopes high, keep your expectations low. That's where the magic happens, right? As I was preparing for this pod, I read 
I think it was a golf digest article that Haley, you were quoted in. Is that where the low expectations quote came from? Is that why it, it was, it was beautiful. I can't remember. What was it? Uh, I honestly forget. I can, I can look it up quickly, but yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I was referencing girls coming to our events and not really having any expectations whatsoever. And so that's where the low expectations line was born. And then when we were tossing around ideas for the name of the podcast, we, we really tossed just about everything out there. A lot of which had already been taken by other golf podcasts that we were not aware of. <laughs> um, and then we circled back to the low expectations line and it, it sort of just stuck. Cause as Jen says, you know, the high hopes, low expectations more or less describes exactly who we are as people, as a brand, as golfers, just about everything. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, it was a blast. I love being on the pod and it, it reminded me that we needed to get you guys uh, as guests of the bag drop and, and cover some more ground. Cause uh, I, I didn't get to ask you guys very many questions. I, I tend to talk uh, on the other side of the mic. So I'm happy to, to dive in today, uh, get to know you guys a little bit better. Uh, let our members and our audience know you guys a little bit better and learn about Gruder golf. Um, First, oh, yeah. I wanted to ask about Sweetens. I didn't talk about that. You guys told me last, what was that, spring you were getting ready to make a, a trip? Did it happen? What was it like? So, yeah, in the fall, actually. And it happened It happened very quickly. Um, it was actually inspired. We Sweetens, obviously, anybody who plays golf and knows anything knows about Sweetens at this point. You know, it's like the darling nine hole of the golf world. And everybody's obsessed with it. Very, very Instagrammable, very photographed, you know. Um and actually it was, we got an email from no laying up that they were opening a share house there. And that was right on the first, um, the first hole, first green. And just that night we were like, let's just go there in October. You know, <laughs> this was also, you know, all year, I feel like everybody, you know, if anyone's anything like me, you've had like lots of travel daydreams throughout the COVID pandemic experience. Um, every week I'm like planning a trip in my, in my head or, or literally looking it up, looking up flights, looking up itineraries, et cetera. And this one, you know, luckily had a few people that said yes to it immediately. And then we're like, all right, let's just book it right away. We'll bring, we'll bring the, uh, the wives and, you know, have ourselves a nice little weekend down there. Um, and it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Gotta, gotta give a shout out to no laying up to that house is the perfect location. Beds are very comfortable. Decor very is tasteful. Clean. It's all good. Yeah. You're right off that first green. Like, like you said, I think our only regret looking back was that we did book late October. So we were pretty limited by a way of daylight. <laughs> so, you know, our, our window for playing golf is pretty small. Um, we had some weather issues, that actually kept a third of the course closed, which honestly did not stop us at all. Like we, we love it just as much as we would have, if we did have all the holes to play with, uh, we didn't get to take advantage of the, the tee box that's in front of no laying ups house, which, you know, then goes onto the first, the first green there. So, uh, there are a lot of things that will be bringing us back to Sweden's Cove at one point or another. Um, but even that first, that first go around with all the weather and, not issues, but you know, not still being is. at hundred percent, we were still just everybody in love with it. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's something, something magic about it that, uh, you hope people bottle up and, you know, take to the course that they're building next, uh, just because right. the, the spirit of Sweetens is what, uh, attracts, I think all of us back, you know, after you, after you experience and you guys, yeah. I, you, you told me last, uh, pod we did together that, uh, 
you prefer six holes. I thought, didn't somebody say that <laughs> six holes is the magic number. That's what, you know, the six, six, six option. That's, you know, we talk about our dream golf course a lot. Um, and that's kind of, you know, like a, a clover where you have, you know, not just one turn, but two turns, two opportunities to use the bathroom, grab a drink, grab a hot dog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, I think that, and it's, it's hard too. like, we part of, I think our, our magic is that we really remember what it's like to not play golf and not to know what you're doing. And, you know, when you're staring down the barrel of, you know, a four and a half hour round, when you're a beginner, like that's really intimidating. It's very, so I think it's much more palatable to say, you know, break it up into a little over an hour, you know, six holes, and then you can continue on or, or stop or, you know, leave a person or whatever. I'm going to have quite a few questions. Cause as I was you know preparing to talk to you guys, um, you know, that, uh, you're, you're closer to that beginner phase. All of us were beginners at some point. Right. And the ones that, you know, can, um, can remember it are probably better off than, than some of us, but I think a lot of people listen to aren't, you know, and they're going to, I have a lot of questions for you guys about being, you know, in that early stage and what that was like. So we'll, we'll get to a lot of that, but, uh, I have a crack research team now at the bag drop. Okay. Nora. And I, Eleanor, my daughter, she's three months, but man, she can work the Google machine better than anybody. So, um, so uh, Haley, I'll start with you. My, uh, and I, I like this one that we dug up because um, my wife loves to laugh when I say I went to golf camp as a kid. Oh. Um, and, and she's just like, I didn't know there was golf camps. Like, who are these golf nerds going to golf camp. And she just thinks it's so funny, but I think this is correct that you actually did go to golf camp. And not only did you go to golf camp, rumor has it, or legend has it that you won the nine and under division. Is that, is that accurate? So, so I have to come clean a little bit. Like I say that rumor has it because I don't remember that at all. My, <laughs> my mom told me doesn't that- remember any of her childhood. It's really I weird. don't like it's, it's really concerning and I hope it doesn't keep happening because I, I still remember most of college, but you know, as I get older. yeah, exactly. Um, no. So I, I do vaguely remember being at golf camp. I remember hating it. I remember, cause I, I don't, I remember like being at the pool and then having to like go get changed and like go play golf. And I just was so annoyed by all of that. And I remember hating the outfits that I wore. I honestly don't think I did it more than one summer. Like it had to have been like a one, one go, um, so the rumor of me winning is purely rumor. My mom told me that, and I don't believe much of what she says. <laughs> I do, but, um, it was one of those loving mother moments of just trying to build her daughter's confidence. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things where I should probably fact check her and, and go back and, and make sure that is true. But it was a nice way to plug in the plug in some, you know, uh, background on the website as far as my bio goes. But, uh, but yeah, I had a very quick relationship with golf as a younger kid. And like I said, just hated it for all the reasons a kid normally hates golf for, you know, the, the pace of the game, how slow it is it being, you know, an individual sport. I was used to team sports. Um, and then I would say the outfits, I always fall back on the outfits just being horrible and having to like makeshift my Abercrombie and Fitch polos and gap khakis into something that was appropriate for the golf course. And I just, I hated it all. Do, do you think, and I know you don't remember a whole lot of your childhood, so I don't want to make you relive these dark memories, but do you think that, uh, if that stuff was different, you know, would you, would you have been hooked or you think, you know, you as a kid just would have been like, nah, even, even if they wore cool outfits and I wanted to, you know, would it still have been a blocker for you? 
I think it would have helped. And I also think, you know, cause I grew up around golf. I wasn't, you know, people in my family did golf. Um, although I say that with like a heavy asterisk, cause my mom had a set of clubs that she kept in a wicker golf basket. So <laughs> her golfing Sick. was not, not that's, really true golfing. Um, that's kind of like not- super woke now. I think if you walked out to like a, you know, ringer event, wear it with a wicker bag i think people would... she doesn't have it anymore and i'm so upset about it because i have a feeling i would get good use out of it nowadays but um yeah you know i grew up around golf i grew up around plenty of people playing it certainly people that wanted me to get into it um so yeah i have to assume that the clothes would help i also just remember hitting it off the tee box and it not going in the air and just being so frustrated at that which you know i re-experienced when i was 25 years old <laughs> and even today sometimes um so you know it I think it's a combination of all things that deter people away from golf clothes being, you know, a big factor for me personally, but you know, it was a whole bunch of different things. Right. Right. Um, so the nine and under division champ, will that be on your resume? Is that a life achievement award? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep it there. Yeah, you know, okay. as long as no one's chasing me down and saying I didn't do it or I didn't actually win. Um, you know, for all I know I did, I, I'm just trying to think of like trophies, you know, you got trophies for everything as a kid. And I'm trying to flash back to the trophies that I did have. I was like, was a golfer up there? Because I feel like I would have had one of those. And I just, I can't picture it. Um, The fact checkers are coming, mom. I'll put my (laughs) my team on the case. Jen, uh, transition to you. Should the Buccaneers retire Tom Brady's jersey? Oh, do they deserve to? (laughs) I mean. How how pissed would you be if he gets into the Hall of Fame and he, you know, shows up wearing that Buccaneers number instead of the Patriots? He wouldn't. I mean, the thing about it, too, is that there's just so much. He looked pretty happy on that boat. I don't know. I mean, well, also, I loved seeing him blacked out. That was something we what, never got to see. Out, he was completely legless. Well, there there was a video. that he actually wasn't drinking. Well, he then. And he was actually, on Quaaludes because you know, he was not standing well. Somebody had a really funny, it might have been um, Katie Nolan that said, like, I remember my first nightshade. And that made me laugh a lot that, like, maybe he wasn't drunk. Maybe he just, like, snuck a tomato behind Giselle and, like, <laughs> you know, that kind of just fucked him up, messed him up. Are we like one funny? gram of, of sugar? Yeah, you can curse. It's fine. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been that. I mean, it could have been a lot of things. Like, he has a very delicate consistency at this point, And I feel like any one wow. thing could throw it off. Yeah. His whole, you know, equilibrium is just. He's the most pliable person on earth at this point. He's constantly getting massaged. <laughs> Did you guys watch Tom vs. Time? Oh, yeah. No. Of course. Oh, my God. It's very, it's a quick watch. It's maybe like 36 minutes all in because it's these three-part series on YouTube. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like 80% of the footage is him getting massaged by that that man. <laughs> Alex Rod- Is it Alex Rodriguez? Alex something? I don't know. His TB12 guy. The TB12 method just means that you can't feel your joints anymore. You're like completely gumby. (laughs) That's the TB12 method. Oh, it it works. Uh, It works. Clearly, clearly. It's a a feat. Who wants to live that life? All those titles. Give me sugar, man. I would much rather have a glass of wine. I couldn't. I I, obviously I can never do it. Uh, What you did do. So you didn't grow up as a golfer, right, Jen? I didn't. I didn't. But it it was always there. Do you, you worked at a golf course? Is that right? Yeah. So I worked at a golf course beginning junior year in high school. I was at the snack shack. And then by college, I graduated to the snack cart beer cart, which uh-huh. was where it was at. Um, a sweet uh, job really loved it. It really suited my, my skills, which are talking to people. Um, 
and driving to some degree. Um, <laughs> but it was funny because working there too, you know, obviously, you know, my, some of my family members played golf. Um, you know, actually my younger cousins all went to golf camp, like which was like a day camp where they did, you know, golf and tennis. It was like a classic, like country club camp, um, that I never did, but I never, yeah, never like looked like something that I should pick up, even though the driving range is right there, I probably could have gone, um, but again, it was similar to what Haley said, you know, the ball never went in the air the few times that I did try it. And I hated being bad at things when I was younger. I like did not know how to not succeed. I'm not, I like, I wasn't great at everything either, but I was at least like good enough to get by at everything else except for golf. And so I, I was very big on saying like, if I'm not good at something, I just don't do it because what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> Which well, is the brattiest sports, thing to you know, say. <laughs> well, no, with other sports, you can get away with not being that good, but because golf is a solo sport, yeah. you're you can run your, your way out of anything. If you're fast, exactly. you can just like do something. You can be useful in some sort of way, but golf, you know, it's really just you against yourself out there. And that was tough when I was younger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's um, so last question, probably from your childhood <laughs> river dance or lord of the dance what's your preference? river dance oh my god lord of the dance was way too flashy um that's an easy one matt you gotta really throw some some tougher punches here um yeah but what I've about what about, what about technique though what about like technique just so remove the outfits and just go with technique lord of the dance is probably superior right um well no because so technically do you know this the tale of lord of the dance not so really. flatly no, please enlighten us. michael flatly was the star of riverdance and then he had creative differences with the producers and then spun off because he was the big name of riverdance spun off into lord of the dance made himself a, a lot, lord which you a can't lot, do exactly you, you like made himself like this like do that it had a little different it had like a different plot too that was more like about him riverdance is supposed to be like an artfully told story of you know the irish people um, you know, you got, you got the Spanish in there, you know, you got like the coming to America portion. You guys all know every single act in river dance, right? Yeah. Um, Lord of the dance. Actually, I don't even know if I ever even saw it because my mom was like, Lord of the dance. No, it's not, it's too much theatrics, not, not dancing. <laughs> you know, I think they like made out on stage or something. It was a little more racy too. <laughs> Technique in both of them is obviously phenomenal, but you know, the one thing that I think people get wrong about, you know, traditional Irish dance hands are not on the hips. Hands are glued to your sides. Right. Like your, your triceps would be essentially like glued to your back. And that's how you are the whole time. Hands behind. You can't see the hands, hands it's, and fists. It is uh, like I talked about on, our, we talked a lot about Ireland on, on your show and um, yeah, to see it live is remarkable. Like, I don't even think cameras pick up how fast their legs move. You know, if you're watching a YouTube clip, you, you got to see it. And, and I think it's the contrast of how fast the legs are moving and how still everything else is like that. That's what I've been. It's unbelievable. I wasn't even I mean, I never, you know, never became a world champion or anything, but um, not yet. Not I mean, st there's still time. I think that's the Gruder golf lesson is that there's still time for anything. <laughs> never too late to start. Um, so, but yeah, it was very, very difficult and builds leg muscles for your entire life. I think, <laughs> am I saying too much? I was going to say, Matt, were you expecting such a very long answer? answer for the river dance question? You don't, you don't see, uh, people doing Irish dance with weak, you know, hamstrings. That's just not, it's not possible. Cause you can't talk about not getting up in the air. You won't get up in the air <laughs> if you have any weakness in your body. Actually, we went to, we had Irish step camp. 
Oh, there was okay, weird dorky camps. Another dorky yes. camp. For people, he would go for, for a week. Terry, this guy, Terry would come over from Ireland and he would run like an absolute like Irish dancing boot camp. We would go home. We wouldn't be able to walk when we got home. And our mom would send us back the next day. It was insane. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would, that's the camp I want my kid going to on the golf side. Like I want, uh, you know, have you guys read golf in the kingdom? Oh, Shivas, no. Shivas irons, put that on your, your list. Okay. It's like a spiritual, uh, you know, adventure through Ooh. the lynx land, but there's oh. like this really, uh, uh, romantic slash super Scottish character. That's his, everything he says is like written in, in Scottish brogue. And that's what I want at my kids golf camp. Like I went, it was just some country club, you know, pro who didn't want to be there and was just throwing down alignment sticks. Like I, I, I want my kid to not understand what this Scotsman is barking at him. And you need to be a little scared too, or else you don't get better. No, you don't get better. That's right. That's parenting 101. I was terrified uh, of Terry. We've, we've covered a lot of early childhood. Obviously you guys had, so I, I want to know the point where Jen hangs up the Irish dancing shoes for golf shoes. Um, and both of you guys, like you had these traumatic <laughs> experiences with the game. I mean, let's call it what it is. Like that's it, not a glowing review of, you know, my first, uh, I, I have a lot of podcast guests that talk about, man, my first time on the golf course, I just knew I was in love. That is not your guy's story. Not at all. No. So tell me a little bit about where you do fall in love with golf because you, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now if you didn't. No. Yeah. I think Uh, we got to start playing together in order for us to like it, you know? And so it was more about, you know, spending time in a respectable way too. We could tell people later on like, Oh, we were out playing golf today instead of like, Oh, we went to a bar all day, which prior (laughs) to playing golf together would have been the answer. Usually nine times out of 10. Just for the listeners, we were 24, 25 and we picked it up. So, you know, we were in that weird age post-college, but like just when we were supposed to start getting serious with our lives and our weekends, like the weekends were supposed to be productive, but like we were still going to bars the whole time. And so, you know, it was like, it's a really careful transition phase into like John said, being respected in terms of like what we spent our weekends doing. So it was a great way to sort of uh, like blend into that, like mid to late twenties era where, you know, we can't come and say, Oh, what'd you do this weekend and work on Monday? We can't say like, Oh yeah, we were out drinking all weekend. Like that's, you kind of get raised eyebrows and they're like, and what else? And you don't have anything else to say. So the golf was, you know, a great way for us to segue into that chapter in our lives. And uh, yeah, then we obviously fell in love with it. So it was a win-win for us. Yeah. And I think a huge part of that too, was that we were all at the same level, which was bad. And so I think it's really difficult for a brand new golfer to go out with people who are pretty good and pretty serious and look at them and see what they're doing and then not be able to replicate that, especially if you're an athlete or if you have any sort of pride. Um, It's really hard to see everybody else do something and you just be like, like, what is going on here? Like, why? I feel like I'm doing the same thing. I'm watching them. I'm doing that. And it's just not working. But for us, it was like, if you made contact, that was sick. Like we were all cheering. We were going nuts. Each other. Yeah. yeah. Like really, you know, like very positive reinforcement. And then if it didn't go badly, I mean, if it didn't go well, then that was anticipated. Right. And so we're all like, whatever, we'll play from someone else's ball. You know, like it's no big deal. And we were out outside having fun anyway. 
Right. And I, uh, like getting back to the podcast episode, you know, we had no expectations going out there together. We didn't go out there thinking that we'd all of a sudden be really good. I think we all knew that we'd be bad for a period of time, which getting back to our childhood exposure to golf, like Jen said, you know, I think we all hated being bad at anything, but when we were bad at it together, it was a little bit more bearable and palatable. And, you know, we were able to keep going out there and keep getting better, uh, without, you know, wanting to give up and and quit the sport. So do you think it was critical then that you, you had the support system of other, you know, not because it, it really, you guys weren't hardcore beginners, you know, I think there, it sounds maybe Jen, you might consider yourself a hardcore beginner. Would I you? Felt hard, I felt what hardcore. Do you mean by hardcore beginner well, though. Like, I- like, like off scratch, like Haley, you grew up around it. Jen, you worked at the golf course. Like, right. What I mean is like, you didn't have to learn terms. Maybe you didn't have to like the whole language to it. No, honestly, didn't know any terms. (laughs) Didn't know, didn't know really anything. Honestly, I, when I was a cart girl, I thought golf was really dumb. It looked really dumb to me. It, and also, you know, we were familiar, more familiar with kind of like the bad parts of golf. I would say like, you know, like, like wife jokes, for example, you know, you go to any card shop and you see like a funny card with, you know, those like very fat, weirdly shaped people that are the cartoons. Mm -hmm. It's always like, you know, like, just some sort of joke about like, you know, like, Oh, my wife thinks I'm on the sixth hole right now. And he's like sitting at the bar and it's like, that is like not a very welcoming like humor. And then also, I mean, I was like, didn't really realize it too much at the time, but being like preyed upon as a cart girl a lot. Um, you know, I was, and now seeing all these like cart girl jokes and everything on Instagram, I understand like I was the butt of so many jokes whenever like you know, one of the guys in the group was talking to me too much or something like that, that like, to me, it was just like, this is my job. This is what I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm 16. I'm not thinking anything you. else. Yeah. Like I'm 18 years old. Like you are like married with children. Like, it's just like a weird, weird vibe out there. So that we never saw either, you know, like, like women our age playing or saying no one, no one said to me, like, Hey, like you should, you should try this, you know, or if they did, it was like, it was creepy. And it was from like an old man. And I was like, hard. No, not going to say <laughs> yes to anything that you said. It, the, it, even the term cart girl, right. If you really think about it, we just, I, I've, someone said this to me the other day, actually. Um, uh, and, and I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, I still use cart girl. What's, oh yeah. That's kind of ridiculous. Like that's the title of the job. You know, it's like cart girl. There's no, you know, why can't there be a cart boy? Why is it, why is it girl at all? Is it cart woman? Like what, what is it? So I, 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 there's, and then it just gets bad. I mean, you go, God, the cart, the cart girl, this, I'm relating to both these on the guy side because I get, I still every freaking birthday and Christmas, I'm a golf nut. So people get me golf things. And now that I'm married and now that I have a, a daughter who you may hear yelling at us in the background, um, I, I get these like chintzy gifts that are kind of like making jokes about my wife letting me out the door to go play. Like one was a golf, get out, leave family. And, and, and you, you have to oh like smile at the person, you know, like, ah, Hey, thanks. But I'm like pissed inside. Like you think my wife and I don't talk about me playing golf. Like it's agreed to every freaking time. Like right. you're, you're nuts. So I, a lot of that stuff, man, just, so it drives me nuts. I can't, I, I can't even imagine what it must've been like seeing it as a, as a woman. 
Yeah. It's just a weird narrative. Like why is marital discontent like part of the brand of golf? You know, (laughs) like why, why are we laughing at that? Right. Right. It's an overarching theme that has not shifted or gone away. Like you see these uh, meme accounts on Instagram that, you know, have hundreds of thousands of followers and likes and whatever. It's like, we haven't like golf has not moved past it at all. It's not like it's stuck to greeting cards from the nineties. It's very much still in your face. And in a lot of ways, it's, you know, yeah, and if bummer, you say something like, about it, it, you get attacked sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's also true. People that has happened. really pounce on you and then like reverse, like, you know, it's weird when people get offended about you getting offended about something. It's like, you can't get offended at me getting offended. Like I was offended first. Like you can't then be like, <laughs> these are my feelings. You know, it's just the internet's terrible. Sometimes I had a thought yeah. that popped to my head. I'm going to run with it. It might not make any sense, but like there should be cards that make fun of the person that thinks making fun of their marital stress is, you know, funny. Like, you don't understand. So like, there's a market for that. There's a market for that for sure. I would buy that. I buy that in a heartbeat. Like, like, you know, like that stereotypical uh, member who, you know, is telling or, or even like the, the sexist and racist jokes, like that person, whoever that person is like, I make fun of that person. You know, like, like I'm sure there's other people that do too. And that could be on a greeting card. I like that idea. Uh, We'll put it through R and D and decide if it makes a cut. (laughs) Um, I want to know about what you guys as early golfers, what you appreciated um, about being a golfer, like in that early time that you didn't before, you know, before you dove in the metaphorically before you dove in, like, was there things that you just couldn't get your head around and then you started doing, you're like, Oh, I really appreciate this. Like this makes sense. For me, I think it has to do with obviously being in my twenties, you know, many years have passed since my last, uh, attempt at playing golf. Um, you know, one of the things I appreciated most was just the opportunity to be outside all day. I picked up golf when I moved to New York city, which doesn't seem like those two things would go hand in hand, but, um, I loved an excuse and a reason to be outside of the city and be, you know, surrounded by grass, which, you know, it's hard to find in New York sometimes. And, uh, I was also new to the city. I had plenty of friends there, but it was also a nice way to hang out with, you know, people for four or six hours that, you know, you don't get that in a bar and, you know, I'll say it again, but like entering your mid to late twenties, like, you know, it's a little weirder to make friends just by taking tequila shots or whatever it is. 20 year olds do. I don't know anymore. Um, <laughs> you're 30. But, uh, I'm 30. Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember what people in their twenties do. I told you, I don't, I'm not going to remember college yeah. pretty soon. Like it's H- all, Haley, it's those, I, th- I think we've uncovered that Haley, those commercials that you see on like Sunday t- uh, PGA tour coverage about memory loss, like you might want to start investing in those pills. Like, I yeah, think you need some like reishi mushrooms or something. Like we're, we're some of that like lines. Well, they're nightshades though. Oh, just oh. kidding. Um, <laughs> no. So yeah, I think, you know, it was all timing in place for me and uh, golf just was a way to exit the routine of, of Manhattan and, and break out a little bit of, of that routine and, and meet some new friends while I was at it. And, you know, because we'd all started playing at the same time, we were all really into it at the same time too. So just, it was a fun new hobby, right? It was just, you know, new frontier. And I would say the last thing I really liked about it and the reason I was okay and still am okay with being a pretty bad golfer is that I know I'm going to be playing golf now for the rest of my life. And so the, the joy and like the anticipation of continually 
continuously, hopefully getting better. Uh, I know that might not be a, a linear movement. It might be <laughs> some backward and sideways movements, but um, you know, the idea that I, I'll always be playing golf is, is also really exciting and just another thing to, to kind of love about the game. Yeah. Jen, um, was there anything that you maybe put too much emphasis on before getting started and like thinking it's a big deal and then you play and you're like, oh, this isn't a big deal? I, I actually thought you know, I, to go to what Haley said too, you know, that being, we thought of being terrible as being a bad thing prior, but then once we got older and picked it up again, it was nice to kind of be like starting from square one somewhere and like learning something again, um, especially something athletic. You know what I mean? Like it's one of the only sports you can really pick up as an adult. And like, there's not as much of a threat of injury or, you know, like you don't have to find a team to do it with or something like that. You know, you can't just, I'm never going to probably pick up hockey at this point in my life. Right. Like that would take a lot more to pick that up, but you know, I started playing and, you know, we'd get a little bit better, would, you know, would take a lesson here and there and get so much better after the lesson that that was like thrilling and had a coach that was like, if I had had you and you were a kid, you would have been on the tour. And I was like, Paul, keep it coming. That's what I like <laughs> to hear. Said that to you. Paul, I mean, who knows if it's true, Paul, shout out oh. to Paul. I'll probably send this to him now that I mentioned him, but, um, yeah. Like, you know, that type of thing of getting, getting better. And obviously it's easier to get better at something if you're terrible to begin with, you know, the baseline is lower. Um, so that was really exciting kind of, you know, and looking at it, like, Hey, I can play this for 50 years. Like imagine how great I'll be at it in 50 years. Right. Hopefully did we know <laughs> little did we know. And the other thing too, that actually I had always puzzled me working on a golf course was that people would play the same course every day and not get sick of it. And that I like, I made no sense to me. I was like, once you've played it, aren't you kind of just done with it? But it obviously makes a lot of sense to me now. Cause I understand the <laughs> game a little bit better and how every round is so different. Um, there's, I, that's the, the contrast of like, you know, you can, uh, play it forever. Well, I I'll put it this way. You guys talked a little bit about, you know, competition and being bad at something as a negative, but then it's like, the opportunity to really get good at something and not be in much of a rush because you got 50 years to play. Like right. It's kind of, it's also really unique to golf. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I think it comes with age, right? It just comes with perspective. When you're a kid, you know, there's no awareness of like the next five years or like the next six months or whatever it is, you know, you want, it's like that immediate, uh, satisfaction factor. And, uh, yeah, I think with being a little bit older and entering the game a little bit older, um, you know, we can just like approach it in a more mature way. Right. Yeah. I think the interest in golf during the pandemic, I think one thing that's pretty interesting about it is that, you know, it's not immediate satisfaction, right? There's, if you wanted that, you'd play a video game. Right. But I think, uh, of the twenties crowd and thirties crowd that like really latched onto golf. I mean, all the data is saying that, you know, it's a record year, record number of rounds that that demographic is where a lot of it was at. Um, I, I wonder if it's like a internal rebellion against like all of our social media and all of this stuff that's kind of holding us. Our, our jobs are all structured to hold us in front of the screen. We're talking in front of a screen. Uh, the pandemic kind of dictates that too. But I wonder if like subconsciously in a way that people that give it a chance, get out there and have that, they're like, oh, I'm outside. Uh, I have nowhere to be for four hours, but out here and it's kind of peaceful and I 
just feel better. You know, I, I wonder how much of that's going on that like, we're, we're like almost evolutionarily going back to our, our roots of what we need, which is being animals out in the wild. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's so much research about being outside and how good that is for you. Right. And for, I mean, you know, I don't like hike regularly. So there's very, like I ski in the winter. Um, but that's like a completely different type of thing too. And just has a lot more equipment to deal with and, you know, lifts and all that stuff. So I feel like golf is, you know, probably the longest that I'm outside for extended periods of time, you know, doing something active. Right. You know, Haley, the, you mentioned Manhattan and, uh, you know, I think I have a lot of golf friends that ask me why I live in the city and, you know, when golf's like my number one hobby and also my job now, um, that, uh, what, what do you think it is like being a golfer in the city? There's obvious, obviously logistical issues, but, mm-hmm. um, do you think it's, it's possible that ac- it actually makes you like golf more? I mean, I certainly think it makes me appreciate it more because when I do find my way to the course, you know, I'm just so happy to be there. And, you know, I think calling out the idea of being in front of screens 24 seven, it's like, yeah, you might be on your phone a little bit here and there, but for the most part, you're not like, you know, you maybe check it a couple holes at a time or maybe not at all for the entire round. And I just feel like that is so rare for anyone, no matter where you're living in this day and age, but in Manhattan too, you know, yeah, I think it's just appreciating space for me more than anything. Like Manhattan, you're on top of everyone in every direction, whether you're on the subway or, you know, I, I remember when I first moved to the city, I lived in a fifth floor walk-up. So getting up and down with my clubs was an exercise in and of itself, you know, getting into a cab, getting onto the subway, getting onto the train, you know, it's an ordeal. Like you have to want to play golf, to play golf in Manhattan, right? Like you, you can't, it's not for the faint of heart, uh, which is why I appreciate all the girls that do end up coming out to our events in and around Manhattan that are new to golf, because, you know, that's a big hurdle, right? Just to like the logistics of getting to a course are a hurdle. Um, but yeah, once you're out there, you know, everything sort of goes away. You forget, you know, that you had to wait 20 minutes for a subway to come before you got on and, you know, you forget all the, the riffraff to get to, to get you where you are. But, um, yeah, I think it just knowing that you have that time ahead of you, knowing that, you know, for that next couple of hours, four hours, six hours, depending on where you're playing and the pace of play, um, just knowing that you have nothing else to do or nothing else to, to rush back to it. It's not a feeling you get a lot in Manhattan. <laughs> you know, you don't have <laughs> yeah. very many relaxing, uh, thoughts or days in Manhattan. So golf is just like the antidote almost to living in the city. So, so we're without, uh, the, the namesake founder is that, can we call her that? She is. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Chris Kirsten, you guys call her Kiki. Uh, but how did Gruder golf? Well, first I want to know why, why it was Gruder golf and not Corcoran golf or Hillsling golf. Like what, what was it about? So give me the, give me the rundown. What's the story? So basically I forget exactly when the term Gruder golf came into, you know, our vocabulary, but we said it at one point and it all was kind of predicated on this fact that like when we first started playing, we also were just so entertained by the fact that we were playing golf. Like it was a fun little like performance almost. It was performance art more than it was a sport at that point because we felt so much like we didn't fit with classical golf, you know, um, with what we thought was a golfer. Um, we didn't think we like fit that 
um, that bill. And so we thought that it was so funny that like, look at us, like we can play golf. And that, meanwhile, now, like we think it's really funny that we thought that because it's like, oh, how revolutionary, like white women playing golf. Like who saw that coming? <laughs> you know, like went to Boston College, like fucking no idiots. surprises here. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, you guys like who saw that coming? You know, but we really we felt that, though. We felt like it was very unexpected. We were all very high strung. We were all very, you know, like active. For yourself, we thought that God, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, I was in a really good place. <laughs> but as a group, we were high strung. We were pretty rambunctious. Okay. I think as high a group, energy. a high energy group that, you know, golf probably wouldn't be the first sport that you'd pin us as playing. Yeah. Um, but we also, we just thought it was so funny. So we then like took that to the next level as we tend to do with things. Okay. Maybe that's me. I, I tend to take things um, a few steps too far and Somehow it just came. We were saying, you know, Gruder Golf, like, wouldn't it be so funny if um, Kiki at this point, too, this is 2016, did not have her own personal Instagram account. And so she was fascinated by Instagram, but she didn't, didn't want to get her own for some reason. I don't know whether it was just like, she didn't want FOMO. She didn't want to see what other people were doing that she wasn't invited to. <laughs> Yeah, so she so just would she rather not see any of it at all. Didn't have it, which would make it really bad though, because what she would do is like she would get hold of your phone somehow and go on your Instagram and then go back years and like people's photos and not understand <laughs> like how creepy that looked. Like she was really like similar to someone's mother, like having access to social media and like the weird ways that they use it, you know, being like commenting, you know, just like bad, just not what yeah. you want. And you're like, what are you, what are you doing? So we said we were going to make her an Instagram account and we were going to call it Gruder Golf. And we would, we at this point too, thought that we would probably golf like a few times a year, that it would be a thing that we, we liked it enough to do it, you know, but would do it a few times and maybe would take a ton of pictures and maybe even change outfits. So it looked like we were doing it more often than we actually were. And that was the concept of Gruder Golf that like, it was like just a sham. And it was also in preparation for our five-year college reunion because we thought, wouldn't it be hilarious if everybody thought that Kirsten was obsessed with golf now? Like, wouldn't that just be a total 180, you know, like from a branding perspective? Um, and then, you know, as as luck had it, um, the joke was on us. We all started playing like so much and we all weren't on the, in the same cities either because Haley, were you in New York at that point? Yeah, I had just moved to New York from Boston. And then the three, so there's four of us, the founding foursome. So the other three of us were in, in Manhattan, but you know, we all had different schedules and spent summers in different places. So, you know, I think Kirsten played 27 rounds of golf that first year, yeah. which is insane. Um, and, and yeah, we all just got the bug and, and again, in different ways and different capacities, but, uh, the more we played and the more we posted a Kirsten's Instagram account, which very quickly just became a joint Instagram account. I think Jen, was the only one that had access at the beginning. Kirsten didn't even have access. Um, and then <laughs> it was a troll account. It was literally just built to troll her completely. Yeah. And I would write the captions like in her voice too, but not even her voice, like a fake Kirsten voice that was like, just bring my clubs to work. Cause you never know like when you're going to be able to like practice your putting. And it would be like a picture of her, like smiling with her golf bag, like on her, her apartment. Somewhere. I know exactly the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, just stupid stuff like that. And it really, yeah, it just was a total troll. We never thought that it would be any, you know, that would be here, but, but it caught on, about it. but yeah. it caught on with our other girlfriends because the more we post about playing and, and playing together, the more our friends, you know, that might've been in the, the outer circle of our, our groups of friends, you know, would say, Hey, like next time you go, I'd love to come with you or, you know, just anything. Right. It's like if you go to the driving range. I'd love to come with you. Like it just sort of, uh, started spreading 
like that very naturally. And, and we hosted our very first event in September of 2017, which we kind of have to say with like air quotes around it because it was 12, 13 girls that we took out, all of which, you know, are our closest friends uh, in the city. And we thought that was amazing. We were like, this is, this is like the most we'll ever get. Like, these are the most girls we'll be able to get on a green at once. Like, how amazing is yeah, this? Like 13 girls golfing together. Like, can you believe it? You know, and like, again, like all, all of them sucking girls. so much. Yeah, exactly. That was the thing. The asterisk really was like, 13 non-golfing women like playing right, golf, right. you know? And I mean, even when we got, we, it was like, it was like a traveling circus. Like every time we would go to a course, even honestly, like not as a huge group, but even as just like the four of us or something like people, like people are always talking to you, right. <laughs> you know, we're we make a scene no matter where we go, because we're always like very dressed up for golf. Cause we got really into the <laughs> golf fashion, kind of, kind of connecting this back to my earlier days of the game golf fashion has come a long way, thankfully. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all sort of like dove head first after that first trip to TJ Maxx, which uh, kind of set off our, our golf shopping career. Um, <laughs> you know, we all take our fashion very seriously on the course and, and we very much think, you know, if we are looking good, we're probably going to play better than we, than we would have otherwise. I, I want to back up to the point where people start joining you because, yeah. you know, I, we launched new, new club in 2017 and I remember creating my Instagram account and I remember following different golf brands and I remember following you guys like in my first oh my wave God, of, you so of stuff. Wow, so you yeah. were, you were obviously doing something right. Cause it was the algorithm was suggesting it. And I remember getting done with, uh, one of our first events and we had like 50, 60 dudes, you know, all guys, um, members of new club out to, uh, Mistwood. And I remember getting ready to post it and I did, and I saw that you guys, so maybe this is 2018, this might be 2018, but I remember seeing you guys have one of your events, same weekend with like 90. Oh, that was 2018. That was one year later. That was the same event one year fast forward. And that was Brought so us deep joy. Still does. Yeah, and and I think that's where you said like, oh, you know, a group of white girls from Boston College playing golf. Like, who would have seen it coming? I I understand that to a degree, but from where I was sitting, that I didn't see anywhere else. Right? Like that just wasn't. Yes, I I have friends that play golf. I have a lot of friends that have fallen out of love with golf or haven't gotten back into it. And I want to know your guys' opinions on that. But but this like this was clearly different. It was ninety ladies out to play golf together, together, you know? Yeah. So like you tapped into something. So give me like those, that inflection point. That was so insane. We were honestly <laughs> so shocked too. Cause it really was, it was one year after we had had, you know, the 12 girls out and we were, you know, every time though, it continued to grow. I think it doubled almost every time. So we went from yeah. 12 to 24 to right one around like later. 40 ish in the, in the next spring. And then from spring to fall, we made it up to 88. Um, which was just really incredible. And it was people that we hadn't met before too, you know, up until then it had been, you know, networks basically. So it was, you know, friends of friends and word of mouth and everything. Um, but then we started getting people that were like, Oh, I saw you guys on Instagram and that's why I came. And then we were like, Oh my God, like, that's awesome. You know, like that's so sick. Um, and I think too, a lot of it, what we heard from a lot of people was I've always wanted to play, but I never knew like how to do it. Or I was Where like intimidated start. or I didn't know, like, didn't, yeah, didn't even know where to begin, you know? Um, and I think that that's kind of what we've offered is 
like a, the kind of no judgment, like, Hey, we suck too. It's fine. You know, like we're not here to compete. You're not here to network even, you know, I think a lot of women's golf stuff is floated as being like, Oh, if you want to be successful at work, you know, you better come out and do this. And that makes it feel like work. And ours was very clearly not work. It's a Saturday shotgun. It's, you know, come as you are, you know, we'll help you rent clubs. If you want, you can literally wear whatever we'll, we're doing in a public course. Um, and you'll have fun. You'll make friends. Um, and I think that, that was kind of, I, I think that's what attracted me to your guys group in that first post was that like, it was, it was about golf in a way, you know, it was, it was, it wasn't saying like, oh, we know golf kind of sucks and, and there's these things, but you know, there's all this other stuff you guys were saying like, no, it's, it actually doesn't suck. It's actually pretty fun. Like you should right. give it a try. And, and that was different to, than this, the groups that I had already been seeing, you know, forming up in, in Chicago and other places. Yeah. I mean, I think from the very beginning, our goal has been to show people that there's a different way to play golf and there's different relationships you can have with golf. You know, you can go out and play around with your dad or your grandpa and, you know, be very respectful and quiet and not play music. Or you can go out with your girlfriends, drink all day, play loud music, skip a few holes, barely putt. <laughs> you can, you can do yeah. golf a lot of different ways and still enjoy it. You don't have to be really good either to enjoy it. That was always kind of a ringing line that we'd have at all of our events. So yeah, the events very quickly became about exposing new golfers to the game and just showing them how they can have fun without having to be really serious or really good at it. Yeah. So it has, um, has the mission changed at all, right? Your guys golf has progressed, uh, along the way. I'm sure you're different golfers than you were, you know, four years ago. What be surprised, hopefully, <laughs> but <laughs> barely <laughs> what give me a little sense of just how, I mean, obviously the pandemic just wrecked havoc on all of our events, which is a serious bummer. And I'm sure screwed up a lot of plans last year, but what, what, uh, what have you guys adapted with, you know, you guys are obviously doing this and I think it's important to note you guys do this at night, you know, moonlighting <laughs> your passion project, which is, is awesome. But what, what has changed for you guys? And, and is the, is that mission still the same Haley? I would say yes. And I, I would say if anything, we're looking to expand that mission, you know, very early on, we, we stuck to the alliteration of, of getting girls on the green, Gruder golf, all of that. And, you know, by and large, our, our mission still is, is dedicated to getting more women into the game, but it doesn't mean just women. It means really anyone that's been turned away from golf or turned off by golf in one way or another throughout the years. And, you know, that was really, I would say our biggest takeaway from 2020, because as an events company, you can imagine 2020 was not kind to us, which, um, rewinding back to January of 2020, we thought we were quitting our jobs this year, this past year. And uh, thankfully, none of us did because <laughs> uh, we would have been left high and dry. But um, but yeah, you know, kind of taking a step back and just watching everything that was going on in the world and in America specifically, you know, there's a lot to sort of take in and digest both personally as, as human beings, but then also as a brand and having some sort of platform and some sort of voice in, in the social square of Instagram. And, uh, and I think with it, you know, we said, we don't need to limit ourselves here and, and we don't want to be a girl's golf company. We want to be a golf company period. And, you know, one thing that came out of that was the, the podcast and, and that's, uh, Jen's baby that I always, I always call it your baby, which sounds, you weird. do call my baby all the time. All the time. <laughs> no, and I never like, I never mean to, but then I just so say proud it of and... my beautiful daughter, low <laughs> expectations, <laughs> but no, but I mean, it is your baby. It's like your pride and joy and, and our pride and joy. But, um, you know, that was a way for us to stay relevant, right? Like 
we're an events company, not able to host events, but we still want people to feel connected with Gruder Golf. We still want people to know what we're up to and, and what we have to say and how we think about golf, but also really about anything <laughs> tangential yeah. to golf or not even associated with it. Um, so that's been a fun way to sort of pivot away from events only, because I think looking ahead, again, we don't want to be a women's golf company or a girls golf company. We just want to be a golf company. So, you know, that's going to touch a lot of different areas um, related to media and, and all of that. So I would say that's how our mission has changed. It's a very long winded answer, but uh, <laughs> I would say we're just widening sort of the umbrella that, that we're, that we're after and the things that we want to accomplish have widened. I, I really like the message of um, being a golf company, not a, a girl's golf company, because it, it, when, when you really boil it down and all the stuff that you guys are talking about that, like you fell in love with the game, every one of our male listeners is going to listen and relate to that. Right. There's a ton that they can't relate to. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of your experience. They've always had khakis that fit well, (laughs) or they never have just haven't known it. Right. Uh, (laughs) They just haven't cared. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss. Um, but, uh, but I have, you know, that's how I, I want, I hope my, my hope for our brand and new club golf society is that we can attract women just as we attract men, but not doing anything differently. Now, maybe not differently, but just uh, appealing to that commonality amongst everybody and not having to like specifically, you know, because in the end, if you just, you got to kind of ignore more of those differences because it, it doesn't matter. Like we're all, we all think differently. We all dress differently. We all have these different approaches to the game of golf, but in the end, there's those baseline values about golf that like, Oh yeah. Being outside and having this enjoyable experience is why I do it. Um, so I, I love, I love hearing you guys, you guys say that and your podcast is awesome. Jen, your baby, your baby <laughs> doesn't stink. I, I will doesn't go stink. on record and say it's my, uh, it's my new hot podcast for in, in the I, golf world. Wow. Very much appreciate that. I, I had to, I was reaching my limit. I had to, I had to reach I had to pull out. Uh, somebody to add you guys in, but you, you've really wow, been wow. engaging. I think you Who guys come knock out people, people, <laughs> <laughs> Who do we beat? <laughs> uh, not going to go on record for that. No, okay. can't, Fair enough. can't, uh, can't blast it, but your, your show has been really fun and you guys have, you know, it's a lot, it has a ton of personality to it. Your host, uh, or sorry, your guest, your host is wonderful too, Jen, but <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Your guest, uh, <laughs> Christine Frazier. Is that right? Oh yeah. How cool was she? She was a lot of fun. We have a ton of uh, golf course architecture buffs that listen to to us. Go listen to Christine Frazier. I really enjoyed that. That concept. And if you're new to golf course architecture, that's probably the the better uh, reason to go listen to her. Like I I'm kind of way into that world now, or like I I obsess about it a little bit. And (laughs) uh, I just took a, a bunch from it, but if I were like new into it, I would, it's a really good listen. So people should check that out. Appreciate that. Yeah. She was really, really so cool. Um, yeah. I can't say enough good things about her and we knew nothing going into it. I think also it's, it's an intimidating golf course architecture sounds a lot more intimidating than it really is. It turns out, I think we definitely learned the most on that episode than any other episode. I think we've done so far. We came out of there. We feel smarter now. Um, but she, she was really, really cool. We've been super lucky with guests, but I think that also goes back to like, we've been really lucky just in general, on the Gruder golf path, like meeting really cool people. Um, that's been just the best part. And so many people, you know, it's just, it, it kind of ties into our whole story that like golf just surprises you a lot, you know, like people really want to help each other in the golf sphere we've found, um, you know, 
you included, right? We're here tonight chatting with you, friends with you. Um, but people have just been so great to us and we really appreciate that, you know? So it's been nice. There's a lot of people out there that, yeah, like want to help others coming up in the industry, but also just want to make golf better themselves, right? Like they, even for the people that have grown up in the sport and know the sport in one sort of like maybe the stereotypical way, you know, I would say the biggest surprise or sort of like vote of confidence for us is that they still recognize the value in what we're doing and don't see it as a threat, which, you know, not to say that we've gotten that a ton, but you know, you can understand why maybe some people would think that. Um, so I think that's been the most endearing thing is just to see that there's plenty of people kind of in our corner saying, yeah, like keep doing what you're doing and, uh, we'll help you in any way we can, which, you know, did not think that was going to be the case starting Kirsten's Instagram account however many years ago, <laughs> never thought that we would like get into like, you know, anything called the golf world. You know what right. I mean? Like, cause we didn't know there was a golf world even like I didn't, we didn't know anything at all. Um, so it's almost like we just like, you know, fell into this like sinkhole and we're like, wow, there's a whole like world down here. This is insane. Yeah. Haley, you mentioned a little bit of the people that are, and there's not a lot of them. So I don't want to like overstate this, this point, but people that are worried of newcomers, you know, that they might, erode the tradition of the game or they might you know by playing music that's just a, a very common example you hear right if we put mm -hmm. speakers in our carts then a bunch of you know savages are going to be on our golf course and playing shirtless uh, I, don't, I don't know but uh in my experience because i'm a traditionalist if i really have to break it down like i read golf history books and i love you know uh country club weirdness of of the the tradition right the tradition to me does matter but what i found is that if you don't like close the door and say uh, all right you, you you do it a little differently you're over there but you say like oh no this is how it's done in this arena and and let me tell you why like may, maybe it, maybe it makes sense and holds water maybe it doesn't and that's what that's what scares a lot of people um yeah. So I, I, I guess I, there's no question, but like, would you say, can we win those people over? Because I, I know you guys are a great example, bringing you in, you you respect all that stuff. You're not trying to take away from any of that. Right. Yeah. I think it's like, read the room. You know what I mean? Like on both sides, right? Like there's no reason, like we're not going to pull up to a super nice club and start blaring music and like wearing tank tops. You know what I mean? Like, I think anybody who's a reasonable person can kind of just tell like what a place is. And I think that there's just room for both of them. Right. So like, I'm not going to go to like, you know, the country club in Brookline and act the same way that I do at Franklin park. Um, you know, the divine course, which is like the Boston public course. Um, and like, if you, you know, if you're near a group that looks like they're older people that are serious, like, yeah, turn down the music, you know, don't yell. Right. But if, it just depends on where you are, you yeah. know? Yeah. I, I was going to say just off of that, Jen, like there's room for all of it, right? Like there's so many different shades of golf and golfers and we're not after, or we're not trying to ruin golf or whoever <laughs> wants golf a certain way, right? Like we just want a new way to play and want to show people that there's different ways to play and experience the game. So yeah, I think there's room for all of it, right? I think that's a, a very diplomatic answer, but very genuine answer. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's it, it, not a huge population anymore. I think I really do think more people want to see new life and new eyes on the game yeah. because it, yeah. it's so much more positive is going to come from it than, mm -hmm. than negative. 
And I think what you were saying actually on our pod, so listen to that one, everybody, um, but <laughs> um, right after this one, um, but you were saying something too, which actually makes a lot of sense, ties back to like where the money comes from, right? So at the point at which people who golf a little bit more like us have enough money to make that bigger or, you know, have a club of their own or something, that's really going to be the breaking point. Right. And then people can choose which one they'd rather. And then you see who wins there. But right now, you know, I think that most of the money is in the more traditional clubs because the older people and, you know, older mentalities and everything. But I think in our lifetimes, we're going to see some sort of shift where it's like, okay, I can join this club that has, you know, I have to go meet with these random members and impress them. And then they'll either take me or not based on criteria that I'm not, you know, privy to, or I can just sign up for this golf club that's down the street. You can wear whatever you want. Um, they're the same price point. Like, which one do I want? Which one do I want my kids to grow up going to, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that that's going to make a difference. I think we're just going to see more sweetens, right? And things like that, that are more creative and just outside the box and not fitting that cookie cutter, country club. And that is something that we talked about with you, Matt. It was like the difference between a golf club and a country club. And I feel like so often golf is associated with the country club model, which is good and fine, but there's a lot of other different golf clubs out there that exist. And probably to Jen's point, will continue to kind of crop up and change the mentality or the stereotype around it. It sounds like a really interesting conversation. Someone should tune into that. Uh, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> so back, I, I heard something like Christine, Christine Frazier pod, um, that I had thought about like too soon after becoming a girl dad. So <laughs> it, like, and my wife looked at me like, why do you only you think of these things? Uh, so I hope my daughter, Eleanor is a golfer. You know, I, if she's not, I'm going to love her dearly. That's not, you know, I'm not going to be Earl Woods, hopefully not Earl Woods, who <laughs> <laughs> you guys it pans out though. Fascinated by Earl Woods. Fazzy, you guys talk a lot about Earl Woods, but <laughs> we talk I, don't, about it all the time. I don't want to be Earl Woods. I don't want Eleanor to be Tiger. I want her to be well-balanced and love the things she loves. If one of those things is golf, I'll be very happy. But <laughs> a couple of days after she's born, I thought about, you know, your mind goes to the future. And, you know, when I was nine, 10, 11 years old, I was out there at dusk, sun is setting, playing whatever number of holes with my dad. And it's just such a great, a great uh, memory that I have. And I'm like, man, I wonder if I'll be able to do that with little E, you know, with little Norby into that. And what crossed my mind is the course I used to play with my dad on doesn't have a bathroom and I would always pee in the trees. So Christine Frazier brought that up, right? A female architect thinks of those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of this if I didn't have a daughter three months ago, but it's just such a profound example of this um, exclusivity, right? It's exclusive in, in the event that there aren't general facilities if you're a female. It's tough. It's embarrassing too sometimes. Really like I, in this fall, I was, you know, at a work event. And I mean, it was like, it was a fun work event, right? So everyone was like, you know drink with the guys, you know, like I do. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a pee, like, and it was granite links too. If any of your listeners are familiar, I know it's more Chicago based, but granite links, like not a lot of trees up there. So I had to nah. go like off the side of like a cliff kind of thing. Like it's, it's built on like a granite 
depository. It used to be a dump. I was going to um, say it's built on trash. Yeah, it's built on trash. It's really nice course. There's, Very there's rocks everywhere though. So I had to like, kind of like go off like to the side and I was just like, this is terrible. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you have to do that all the time or not drink. Yeah. Or not go to the bathroom. Yeah, you got to <laughs> pick. It's, yeah. What a like terrible experience <laughs> and then it affects your golf game too because oh, there have been oh. times too where i've been like you know on the 17th hole or something i've just been like i am about to wet my pants right i, I also like, skip holes like i won't be able to play or finish the round because of it. yeah and what can you think of yeah you can't like never mind swinging a club but even like thinking about something else you're just yeah. like i you know like i, I can't do it but i mean that's another reason why the six uh the three six hole loops is another reason why we why we like that because you have two opportunities to go to the bathroom. Although we probably sprinkle some more in throughout. Just oh yeah, to, definitely. Just in case, but uh, comfort stations. Yeah, that's what they yeah. called them in the olden days. Really? Yeah. Well, it's it, it's just I thought wow wow what a real example. If you don't if you don't think the game is exclusive in in that sense, there there you have it. Like right 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 in front of you. Um, staying on the example of uh, young children. So if you got you guys don't have kids, I don't believe. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. If uh, you get there and you have a daughter, I'm asking this question selfishly. What advice would you give that 11 year old who's thinking about being a golfer? Well, I have a question. Does she want to be the golfer? Or are you trying to encourage? Yeah, let's say, let's say it's that time you're like, you know, dad, I think, I think I'd like to play some golf. What advice would you guys give that child? Hmm. I would say take it one swing at a time. Because as a 30-year-old, I still need to remind myself of that. <laughs> and that, you know, one bad swing is not going to ruin the round. It's not going to ruin your relationship with golf. It's, you know, all part of the journey. Uh, you know, there's going to be probably a lot of twists and weaves. And it's not, I said earlier, it's not going to be linear. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs, much like life. So maybe it's a good time to tell her at 11 years old to get ready. Um, so yeah, that, that'd be right, not being a <laughs> parent. I have no, I was like, that yeah, actually just really put me on the spot. I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say to I'm any genuinely kid. thinking of like an 11 year old, specifically golf information too. Cause I don't have that much myself. And like, I'm my specialty really is, you know, women 10 years older than that. Um, I'd say probably make sure you're wearing an outfit with pockets because you might be swindled into wearing one that doesn't have pockets. And then golf requires pockets. You need to have yeah. uh, so often if I'm wearing certain outfits, I don't have like a ball marker with me. I don't have, I have to stick tees into my hat and then I take it off. They fall all out. You need um, a breakfast ball on you. So yeah, I might just give like a really, you know, piece of tactical knowledge, which is just make sure that you have pockets. But then that made me think that hopefully 10 years in the future, you know, we'll be living in the heyday of women's fashion when everything has pockets. Cause that's really for everything. Yeah. Like, so many dresses don't have pockets. So many women's pants. Like, I don't know what this whole thing is. They're decorative. It's a pockets. conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> Bring back cargo pants for women. <laughs> or fanny packs. What about fanny packs? I was about to ask. Fanny, fanny packs pack. are good. Yeah. Those were. I, I told I'll never uh, live it down. Mark, our co-founder, he showed up on one of our early rounds. He, he's a, a lifelong golfer who was a beginner in a sense. He was beginning playing with other that. people which was interesting. He, so he grew up playing a little nine hole golf course, basically every day after school by himself. So wow. he'd do whatever he wanted. He didn't watch golf on TV. He just had his own little world of golf, which is like cool. fascinating to think about. Cause he had an unbelievable golf game, but had never played with anybody. So he, I started like dragging him out. He's much more introverted. And, um, one of the first rounds he's wearing a fanny pack. And then this next round, he's still wearing the fanny pack. And the, I think the third round was at like a private club. And I go, Hey, uh, 
we got to lose the fanny pack. And he's like, why? And, and like, it was one of those examples of, you know, tradition saying well, like, you, you just don't do it. Like you got some pleated khakis you can put on and, you know, but he's a stylish cat too. Like he dresses way better than I do or pretty much anyone else I've ever hung out with. So he uh, was, raised great questions. Like, well, I, I don't agree with you at all. And <laughs> I'm going to wear my fanny pack. So he doubled down on the fanny pack. He doubled down on the fanny pack and nothing, nothing ever came as a result. No negative outcomes. I mean, he just rocks the fanny pack. Hey, they're in style right now too. They're having a moment. Yeah. We just got, we got fanny packs for Christmas from 4A. Yeah. They're really cool. I'm going to wear it a lot. Actually. I I use it. I've been taking it to the course when I play. It's great. It's honestly the best because I don't want to take a purse to the course. I don't need a purse, but I just need a few things that don't fit in my pocket. Chapstick. Yep. Sunscreen. Big time. Yep. Pro fanny pack. Did you, uh, you mentioned Foray. We love the brand, or our female members do, and we are putting some in the shop this year. What other brands are you guys fans of right now? Ooh, I also just wanted to say that I did notice the um, one of the jackets that you have that's a 4A jacket in your shop. Beautiful. That black and white like bomber number. I forget exactly what it is. Pretty but- dope ladies that, you're listening, one, right? you better snag that quick because that's nice that might be the the most oh, and the, the sherpa one though too <laughs> there are two in there one oh, i actually yeah. own one one i already own the one is like a, a neoprene like oh i know like club jacket type thing but i have the the sherpa checker black and white checkered from 4a they don't pay us either i'm just this passionate about it i really i like haven't taken it off Haley can attest to the fact that it's been yeah. on me on like all of our clothes i mean all of our calls um other brands i like actually looking outside of golf brands too sometimes for golf clothes um just because like so many things can really do double duty athleta does great stuff um even like you know like lots mock necks mock neck t-shirts are very in right now and you can get those from pretty much anywhere and that's like a really kind of chic look um i mean i do like adidas stuff footwear especially i love it i love their shoes i was gonna say them um, yeah, Athleta makes great pants that, you know, you can do double duty and they're not leggings, so they're great and they do have pockets. Um, yeah, it's honestly, tough because like, everything is just like so expensive too. I know. We get asked this question a lot and like you feel kind of, you don't want to be a jerk. Like obviously we love 4A, but it is expensive. It's mm-hmm. worth it, but it's not like you're not going to buy a brand new wardrobe of 4A stuff all in one fell swoop. It's more like you collect pieces at a time. I actually, I just ordered some stuff that's coming in next week. Sorry. You like opened Pandora's box. (laughs) Um, but I just ordered from a a company. It's not a golf, uh, fashion. (laughs) Have you guys heard of manners golf out of England? No. Okay. I've been like obsessed with their Instagram for months now. And I finally pulled the trigger and bought um, a sweater vest from them. Um, that's going to match a skirt that I have. And, um, all of their stuff really fascinates me, especially because they use like male and female models. So all this stuff is like, I think gender neutral in some sort of very chic way that like you just don't see in golf ever. Um, so I've actually shortlisted them for, for a pot appearance, but I don't know if they're going to say yes or not. For the listeners, it's M A N O R S manners. Yeah. It's very chic branding. Very chic. Very cool. Uh, this is a heavy hitter question. Um, and then we'll dive into some more lighthearted stuff, but I read one of your core beliefs on the website is those who have historically been marginalized in the golf world should be invited to play. It gave me, uh, a pause because I've thought one thing new club needs to work on is being more inviting 
Um, you know, we have our criteria, we have our values and we, we need people to meet those before they get accepted to be a part of us, part of the uh, golf society. But I thought we could be more inviting. So my question is, um, how do you actively approach that issue? The, the invite. That's a good question. It's hard because I think with our stuff too, we kind of tried to make it so that like actively like in the, in the branding for our events, we'll say like, we want you to come like, and that means you, even if you've never played golf before, even if you never thought about golf before, you know, like you are invited and just like being explicit about that. Um, and I think it's still something we're like trying to figure out too, especially as it relates to like, you know, black indigenous people of color. Um, because like we said before, a lot of it at the beginning was just word of mouth. And then that makes it, you know, self-select based on who's saying it to whom. Right. And so you don't have as much control over that part. So what are the ways that we can just a be more explicit through our social media channels, which is kind of tough because we're not taking any new pictures right now. And we're not, you know, like we're resharing things, I think that maybe aren't things that people will see on your average golf Instagram account. And I think that that's one thing that we can do, just be very clear about who we are and what we believe. Because I think one of the things that, that we took away from this year was like, if you're not explicitly saying something that it's implied that you think something different almost, you know? So if you're not actively saying like, you know, we are an anti-racist organization um, or we're trying to be, um, and we, you know, we believe there should be more people of color playing golf. You know, a lot of, a lot of organizations are not saying that. So I think even just by saying it, you're, you know, doing at least something, is that enough? I don't think so yet, but I think as we get into the event season, I hope that this year will be a lot different in terms of who's coming to events. Um, cause you know, we're just trying to kind of work the back channels network in a different way and just kind of be more intentional about what we're doing. Um, Cause I think that's been a lesson of, you know, our whole, our whole experience with Gruder golf is just like, you know, getting more intentional with every, every milestone. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's tough though. It's hard. I mean, I definitely would say we're figuring it out and we haven't really entered the height of our events, which will really pick up in May or June, May, May and June. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming that, you know, we can host events and do so safely and all that. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things that I just hope that will be better over time. And I think like Jen said, the first step is talking about it and being deliberate about how we talk about it and making it known and, and saying it out loud, putting it on our website, talking about it in the podcast, you know, putting it on our social channels to, to the extent that we can. And then, um, you know, th- there will probably be some trials and errors and all of that, like as, as time goes on. But um, I think at the end of the day, we're just going to try harder to, to make that happen as opposed to you know, more passively accepting who, whoever comes to our events as, as the, those being the only people that want to play golf. You know, there, there's obviously more people out there than the ones we've seen. So that's, uh, that's really well, well said. And, and um, something I, I think we could continue to partner up on, you know, with you guys in, in a way, because I, we, we focus on a difference in my mind, we focus on a, a different segment where you guys are so welcoming and inviting to beginners, to early golfers, um, new clubs, not. And, and I've come to grips with that, right? Like grow the game, maybe not new club. Like we're taking existing golfers and giving them something really cool and special to be proud of and, and a part of, um, for us, it's how do we find diverse groups that just love golf in that way? Cause they're there. I mean, they're yeah, there. But there's just- so many, yeah, right. there, there's so many different, like cool brands and cool groups. Um, and I think, you know, I think that 
yeah, they're just more than, you know, and so many of them are doing like a really great job, like education and stuff. Like we, um, we're friendly with all access golf, um, out of New York and they've every, every day this month for black history month have posted like a different story about a different individual, um, within, you know, the golf black history. And like the more, you know, too, kind of the more I think you get, you know, like a little bit upset about things. And then the more upset you get, if you're me, especially, um, the more active you get. And I think so getting people like a healthy level of, um, upset, especially when we didn't like, we didn't know anything about golf history in general, you know, like barely kind of had like the big names down. Right. Um, but then to learn kind of, you know, especially like around the masters and everything that, you know, it wasn't until 1976, that they allowed a black man to play in the masters. Like that's insane. Yeah. Like that's really bad. And even then he was uh, like, you got death threats and everything. I was going to say it's security detail. You had to move houses. Yeah. Like, you know, so I think, I mean, what, what we've kind of seen too, is that a lot of people in the golf world have a problem even acknowledging that there might still be a problem and kind of using the whole kind of like, you know, like the ball doesn't know what color you are. And it's like, okay, well, you know, everyone else does, right? Everyone around the ball knows. <laughs> yeah, like the ball, the ball doesn't do a lot of things, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's a, it's a strange time, but I think it'll be again, kind of to go back to what we were talking about before. I think like in our lifetimes, we're going to see some like a shift, um, that will hopefully be pretty meaningful. And I think that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, multiple groups coming at it from every angle, you know, the, the people that are blazing the trail as well as the ones that are sitting there uh, in some positions of power and influence already. I think, I think we're starting totally. to see it. So that's, yeah. that's good. Um, you guys have organized some golf events for other organizations, one in Chicago, Kellogg business school. Is it? That's right. That's a deep cut. That is, I was like, who in Chicago? Um, so yeah. uh, what's your approach to those events? And can I get your services for new club one time this year? I mean, yes, absolutely. We, uh, you know, we've long talked about the potential opportunity and tapping into business schools and even like big corporations that want to host, not even female only outings because the, the one for Kellogg was co-ed, but, you know, want to host fun young events with a different spin on golf. And the, the one with Kellogg came about because we had a couple of friends that, one we had gone to college with another one we knew through mutual friends from New York city. And, and they were part of the golf club at Kellogg and wanted to throw a spring outing, which I think they do every year to be fair, but you know, being the good friends they are, they're like, you know, let's, let's reach out to Gruder golf and we'll kind of collab and co-brand it. And, um, unfortunately we actually did have to, to rain check it due to the weather. So we weren't able to be there in person, but, um, you know, they're all business school kids, so they know how to really do a lot of things pretty they're well. They're so organized. It's <laughs> they're the most organized. People. It was actually a good lesson for us of how to like stay really organized <laughs> and planning an event. <laughs> we learned just as much from them, but, um, a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but no, it was, I mean, it was all in all a pretty easy event to put on. Like we sent them all the goodie bags that they'd give to everyone. And, um, you know, they oh, actually, you know what, one thing we were fascinated by, and we're still trying to tap into this, their ticket sales sold out within minutes. Like we put the tickets live and like within two hours, everything was, and we're like, we're selling tickets up until the day before an event, like usually day of as well. Like what did they do? Like, how do they get that? And, you know, we still haven't really cracked that code, but hopefully this is the year. Yeah. yeah. 2021. D- did, uh, looking back, did, do you think 
you mentioned it was really important to have other early golfers on your journey, right? The support of, of the journey. Looking back, do you think it was equally important or important that they were female? Or do you think, could it, could Gruder Golf be doing what it's doing if it were also co-ed in a way? And I know you guys have done some, some of those, but um, is it possible or did it need to be, did it need to be female only to succeed? I think, I mean, it's tough to say whether it would have worked out just the same if it had been co-ed, but there is something that's very special about the women only events that we still host. Like there's just a different energy to it. And I think, I mean, it, maybe it's because the sexual tension is removed to some degree. I mean, we obviously <laughs> have, you know, um, LGBTQ people at all events. Um, so it's not, you know, it's never completely gone. Always a little bit of sexual tension, to make a good <laughs> event. Right. Um, you gotta have a little bit, you but little bit. you know, I think, you know, the, the female events come and it's a little bit, it's just friendlier for some sort of reason, you know, because it's just like girls trying to make friends with one another. And I think that's because that's like what we purport to like, we're right. founded by four, four best friends, you know? So like that's fed into what, you know, what our company became. It's like, you come here to make a friend to golf with. Um, and yeah, there's just, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. I think also guys have a harder time looking bad in front of girls at things. Is that well, correct? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's completely fair. And I, I would almost say that it's not necessarily the male versus female because yes, the female only events are awesome. And there is something really special and intangible to, to what goes on there. But I would also say the the difference is between beginner and more seasoned golfers, because typically at our code events, all the males have played a number of rounds and know their way around the golf course and are probably golfers themselves. Whereas the women that are still coming to those events, for the most part, you know, we do have a, a wide range of skill levels, but you know, we attract beginner females. So, you know, we still have that mismatch then. Right. And then that goes into all the reasons why we didn't like golf and why we didn't pick it up early in our lives, because we didn't want to play with people that were really good and we didn't find, you know, our confidence or, you know, the low expectations, <laughs> um, in other parts of our lives when, you know, we were playing with people that were better than us. So I think so much, I think a lot of what our like secret sauce is, is taking down those barriers of having to look good in front of people. And Jen, absolutely right. Guys don't like looking bad in front of females, but no. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like the likelihood of getting a bunch of like guys who are really shitty at golf to come to a co-ed event to like learn with right. women, I just, I don't, I've never seen that before. I, know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great be if another, they did. Yeah, that'd be another first. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Awesome. I, so it. I think that's like some of it. I mean, like you think about kind of, you know, like even like tin cup or something, you know, and that like creepy man teaching woman narrative, <laughs> like getting behind her and basically like grinding with her. You know what I mean? Like that's what we've always kind of tried to be the antithesis of like, we're the opposite of your boyfriend yelling at you on a golf course. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. The code events are a lot of fun. Oh my God. They're so fun. Yeah. Like it's also they, fun, really. right now. And they, those will continue to be part of our DNA. Like, you know, we do a handful of both obviously catering more towards women, but the code events are a lot of fun. They're just different They're It's a completely different vibe. The people that come out have different expectations. I'm like, I want to word count on how many times I've said that in this episode. <laughs> a lot of expectations. <laughs> but no, I mean, did, it's true. Did I though. mention our expectations should be low? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I really hammer that home. But um, yeah, and I, 
again, because we ourselves are new to golf and we've been in these shoes to a lot of it, in a lot of ways we still are, you know, when I play around with three guys, it's very different than when I play around even with another couple and, you know, half and half, like the vibe is just different no matter what. And, you know, I think it's great for females to feel empowered and, and willing to go play with three guys. But I also think it's really special to be able to kind of create the space where they don't have to, and they can play with other girls that, you know, are, like I said, different skill levels, whatever it may be, but there's something really, really special. I think about the girls only that I don't think we'll ever lose sight of. Yeah. The, you know, I, I, um, have polled our, uh, our female members on, you know, some things that we could do better. Uh, one suggestion has been, and I've struggled with it, frankly, and why, why I asked the question is, uh, female only tea times, you know, we have, uh, our events and our trips and, um, and all that, but there, I I've really struggled to say, like, do we make anything in anything only tea time? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, does that, you know, why, why can't we just organize it? Why, why does it have to be kind of dictated that this is the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, a part of the strength of that is like the ability to pee in the woods though. You know, yeah. like if I hadn't been like, I've been working with my coworkers for like eight years now, you know what I mean? Like we know each other really well. I felt comfortable enough saying to him, Hey, I have to go pee in the woods right now. But like, if I were with three guys that I didn't know, very, I very probably would have had point. to hold it. And then I would have slowly gotten a little bit more, you know, pissy, no pun intended. <laughs> Um, and I might've started playing more poorly and like, nobody would know why. Cause I would be too embarrassed to be like, I'm sorry. I just didn't want to like pull my pants down over there. Like when I don't know yards away from you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like, so I think like the, it's not just, I think there are a lot of different things that go into like the strength of having, you know, maybe offering a female only tea time or something yeah. like that. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's, maybe it's baby steps too, of like getting to the point where <laughs> frankly, uh, guy or male members actually understand that like, Hey, it is really brutal. If there's not a restroom on, you know, this nine, um, maybe you can write that into like, do you send out some sort of confirmation email? Or yeah, something? We do. yeah, we so do. So you can be like, by the way, if you're playing with a female, like she needs to know that it's okay. If she needs to go pee in the woods in front of you, kind of <laughs> yeah. that's um, some, that's a way to be proactive about we'll, it. We'll work on the that's language. free information, we'll work, Matt. We'll, you can we'll just use that one. We won't charge you. <laughs> we'll work on the language. Um, <laughs> okay. so, Let's get to uh, the questionnaire. I don't want to, this is, it's not a short questionnaire, so I need to, oh, okay. a lot of time. Um, and I knew we weren't going to crack under two hours with you guys. It's always too much fun. Uh, <laughs> but this, this is something that was inspired by your podcast. You guys have standing questions and I've always kind of toiled with this idea that I call the 19th soul um, because uh, it's standardized questions that we can ask all of our, all of our, uh, all of our guests. And it was adapted from 35 questions from Marcel Proust, who is the French novelist of the 20th century. Very influential guy. Of course. Um, his, his questions attempted to reveal the truest nature of an individual. Our questions are trying to reveal the soul of the golfer. So Haley, Jen, are you guys ready? I hope so. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, were you a philosophy major? Um, I should have been, but okay. I'm no. I was. So you so know this guy. I might know all these answers. <laughs> you might already. Do you guys want to? They're, they're fun. Do you guys want to do alternate shot? Do you want to do a front nine, back nine scenario? What What would you like? What would you recommend? Yeah, based what on the you questions. Think? I don't know what the flow is going to be like. So, I mean, alternating shot might be good. I, but I like alternating shot. Okay, alternate shot. So we'll, we'll start with uh, Haley. Number one, 
when were you the happiest as a golfer? Ooh, I was really happy this summer when I broke a hundred for the first time. Happy that moment. Was, that was pretty exciting. Jen, number two, what's the scariest golf shot? Um, the scariest golf shot is the uh, seventh hole at my home course of Ocean Edge in Brewster, Massachusetts, um, <laughs> where you're hitting over a bog and your ball goes in there a lot of times. And then you have to get another one. And if it's one that you really like and you've been playing well up until that seventh hole and you're feeling pretty good and you feel like you're going to maybe not you know, lose at that time, then you lose it. That's pretty tough. That's a hard shot. Haley, what is your go-to order at the halfway house? Big hot dog girl. Nice. Yep. Yeah. You can't be, it's just classic. Yeah. And it always just hits the spot. Even if I am re- like approaching the halfway house and being like, yeah, I don't really want that today. Also a good PB and J you don't see enough PB and J's out there, but that's, that's that strange. would also be my, my second, my second go-to if they have it. Jen, what is the trait you most deplore in your golf game? Um, the volatility I'm, I rage, I have a lot of like very aggressive, um, tantrums. I've learned how to quell them quickly, but I need to let it out a little bit somehow. And then I just like take a breath and I'm okay. That's a new thing, the being okay part. Um, but yeah, definitely just like my temper. And I think sometimes my, my high expectations for myself, Read Zen Golf. Oh, that's a, a plug of a friend's book, but you should read Zen Golf. Uh, about it. Number five, Haley, what is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? Someone who is not going to give me tips. Because <laughs> I need them. I need a Great. lot of them, but I don't want them. Just not from whoever I'm playing <laughs> with. Uh, Jen, what is the trait you most deplore in other people's golf games? Giving me tips, definitely. <laughs> when I didn't ask for them. Unsolicited right, exactly. advice, especially when you're setting up or when you've already set up or like right after you've done something wrong is just like probably the most condescending thing you can do because a lot of times I know what I did wrong. Right. And I don't need you exactly. to tell me. And what I say to people generally, my nice way of telling them to shut the fuck up is <laughs> um, I actually have this policy where I only take advice from PGA professionals. So unless, are you... are are you one of those? Can and then they'll usually today? say, no. And then I'll say, okay, then thank you. And walk off. And I'll punch them in the face. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Never done that. Haley, number seven, what words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? <laughs> when it's breezy, take it easy. Oh, that's a good one to overuse. Gaining on them. Oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely that's a better good. answer. You say gaining on them for any shot that like hovers below five feet. <laughs> like, it's like it's maybe putters a little bit in front of you or maybe it goes a little bit further than that. It doesn't matter really the distance. It's just the height of the ball. And then that's immediately a gainer. Gain it's em, the right gain direction. Em. We're getting yeah, there. the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, number eight, what golfing talent would you most want to have? I would love to just every time I went up to the tee, I just like fairway, beautiful drive every single time. Is that hard? Control of the, no, that's a great one. I think a lot of people would, would agree with you there. Haley, what is your most treasured golf possession? Ooh, shoot. That's a hard one. That's so hard. 
I, well, it's also hard because right now most of my belongings are in storage in New Jersey. <laughs> so I haven't seen help, a lot of my things for a while. This, Actually, yeah, I might I might take that because that is a that is a joint gift. That's from Daniel King, the the famed sequined marble dress that Daniel oh. King gifted to us. Oh, I, I listened to that one. That's the yeah. dress. It arrived. There it is. Yeah. Then so it's gonna be it sister. proudly. Wow. It's gonna be sort of the traveling pants type thing. So we'll just all share it. It's probably gonna be a t-shirt on me, but um I'll, I'll say that because it is a awesome. joint gift. Awesome. That's a good, that's a pretty good one. A gift from yeah. Daniel Kang is pretty sweet. Uh, Jen, we're, we just made the turn. What's the one thing in your golf bag you should throw out? Oh my God. Like literally everything. Um, it's a perfect question for you. My golf bag is right over there. I'm like tempted to look inside of it. Um, I keep so many random scorecards in there, not even good ones. Just like they'll, there will just be one in there. I'm like, Oh, I need to put that in the box where I keep all of my scorecards, but I just leave them in there sometimes and pencils. I don't know why I have so many tiny pencils in there. They're at every course. You can always get another one, yeah. but I have no. about like four and then they poke me in the fingers <laughs> when I'm digging around for something. I know that feeling. Oh, that's <laughs> that's the worst. bad. It's so it's dumb. Right under the I'm nail. Gonna, sometimes I'm oh. going to do that right after this, <laughs> take them all out. Will you just do a display eventually? Is that your, your goal or are you just keeping them in There's your bag? There's no goal. For... I'm an artist, so it can be anything. Who knows what I'll do with them? Uh, Haley, number 11, what is your favorite occupation at the golf course? I would say the person at the turn. Is that what you mean? Like the person working at the golf course? Yeah. Like, yeah. I would say the person working at the turn because it's always really nice, no matter what kind of round you're having is to go in there and see a friendly face. I'm thinking of the woman and I'm forgetting her name, but at garden city golf club out in uh garden city. <laughs> um, she was always just such a pleasure to see. And she was so sweet. And, you know, I just love that. Good answer. Uh, number 12, he Jen, have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? Um, I don't think I've ever asked for an autograph. I've also not been to too many, PGA events. Or but at no. one time though, I did steal um something. I don't this doesn't count, but this is cl the closest thing that I have to an autograph. Um I was at a pro am for uh, at TPC Boston and we followed Tiger Woods all day when it was like 100 degrees, labor right poor Labor Day weekend and um he was eating an uncrustable at one point which I had also been eating earlier in the day, so I was like we are the same. This is amazing. And he dropped the wrapper at one point and I snuck under the ropes and I went and I got the uncrustable wrapper that he had been eating from and touching. Um, so I didn't ask him for it, but I, I did take it. And she still has it. I don't know where it is recently, what? but it's, a, it's somewhere. It's like, I didn't lose it. I didn't throw it out, you know, but like, it's just misplaced. That's, somewhere. that's a good one. I've never gotten that response <laughs> to that answer, that question. Uh, that shocks me. <laughs> Haley, what historical golf figure do you most relate to? Oh, geez. <laughs> Let me think about that one. Yeah, I'm getting the hard hitting ones, I feel. Um, Those are hard. I might just like throw, kind of, this is kind of like a cop out, but Alice died just because she's like, you know, in a league of her own and coming off the Christine, Christine Frazier <laughs> episode, you know, getting deeper into the golf course architecture. You know, I don't know if I like am similar to her by any means, but 
I just, I like what she's, what she was doing and what she's after. So, and she did a lot, which is pretty, exactly. uh, that's, that's a pretty darn good answer. Uh, Jen, number 14, what is your greatest golf regret? Greatest golf regret. Oh my God. Hmm. I've had some, like some, maybe like fashion faux pas that like I wore incorrect <laughs> clothing at certain times, but honestly, I've never passed up around. I've never passed anything up. And so I, can pretty safely say I don't have any huge regrets because I've kind of jumped at every opportunity. Well, what about just not playing until we were 25? Oh, oh my God. Oh, that's an easy one. That almost goes without saying that it's just, you know, that we, we didn't start sooner. We, I say this to yeah. children all the time, whenever I see them, if I, that would you know, be my, the advice to my advice to your 11 year old daughter when she's 11 is like, get started sister. And also like, don't take any shit from anybody <laughs> and don't stop once you do. Number 15, Haley, what is your favorite hole in golf? I love a par three. And I, I don't know if you want a specific hole. I'm just going to say. You can, go, you can go, you can describe a specific type of hole. You can, you can describe uh, a specific hole. Uh, I'm going to, well, I just, I don't know. I, I've been around, I've been a lot of places this year. I've been moving around a lot. Um, so I'm not going to say a specific hole, but I, I will say I love a par three. Um maybe one with like water in it or some sort of, you know, hazard. But, uh, I love par threes because no matter what I'm doing in the round that day, I step up to the tee box and say, this could be the one where I make a hole in one. That is <laughs> and then I, and then I usually top it, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, <laughs> that's always my optimism approaching the tee box and approaching the par three. And I also just like it cause it's always like a little bit of a break and it like feels a little bit more fun than, uh, coming off of, you know, a par five or a par four or whatever it is. Like a par three is just like a nice little surprise in the middle of the round. I don't even want to say it. Cause I, I think we're on a stretch here. Everyone says a par three. Really? Yes. Damn. Yes. Um, well, fascinating. I never, I never would guess that. Uh, number 16, Jen, what is your least favorite hole in golf? Oh my God. Uh, Probably hole seven at Ocean Edge. <laughs> That's a good any, answer. I, I, honestly, force carries with too much. Yeah, uh, force carries are absolutely haunt me because the thing is, especially like I know that I can get it that distance. I know it, you know, and it's something about like I mean, it's my it's my brain, you know, it's my my psychosis that I have. <laughs> Just like I get I get so in my own head that it it hinders me. So yeah, any, anything with a force carry just like makes me nauseous. Uh, we're closing stretch. Number 17, Haley, one song to listen to on the golf course for your what re the rest of your life. What is it? <laughs> Jen, Jen knows his answer. Uh, no, I thought freshman? of a joke answer that I can't like, <laughs> we were merely freshmen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a banger. It's a good song. <laughs> What's the title of that? Why am I? It's the called Fresh The Freshman by, by Verb Pipe. Oh, oh, yeah. Is it... oh yeah. I like it. It's, it's kind is of that, an wait, Haley, is that your answer? That's not your answer. You can give another answer. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so bad when it comes to music. I don't know. We've been listening to a lot of Kingsley on, on the golf course lately. I feel like that's just like oh, a nice vibe. What's yeah. up? Bryson. Oh yeah, you see that Bryson promo where you're like on the on the plane and listening to like be somebody. Okay. Oh fuck, I don't want that. Sing more, you hey, guys. Jen. Hey Jen, you're kind of the production mind. Can you do uh, a 
a video on Instagram of Haley getting on a private jet with it to that song. No, it'd be her flying commercial, like shoving her tall body into coach with her like, holding, holding her, her ninth, uh, golf camp, nine year old. No, I'm actually, I'm going on a flight on Saturday, which will be my first flight in a year. It feels very foreign, but I could workshop something in there. Well, you, you, you owe Please me a bunch this. of content anyway, because I'm going to be making a promo video for Haley in general, um, yeah. about her journey. So that it needs to be part of it. We're going to need some footage. <laughs> All right, I'm uh, on it. All right, number 18, close and stretch. Jen, I feel like this this was perfect, teed up for you. You were supposed to be in this spot, the Uh-oh. closer. Uh, if you had a motto, what would it be? Uh, fast and loose. I think we got to go with fast and loose. Um, well, what about your namesake motto? Oh, I mean, I do have a personal slogan, which is Jen for the weekend, Jen forever. Um <laughs> I, I can tell by your face. Yeah, it's not supposed to be immediately obvious what it means. And it's like a little bit avant-garde and then it means something different to everybody. Um, but it's a philosophy. Maybe. I, <laughs> so I just I just invented it one day, um, my freshman year of college. It doesn't really mean anything, but like a lot of my favorite things are just kind of absurdist and that, you know, people read whatever meaning into everything anyway. Um, so if you just say something like that, like, oh, Jen for the weekend, Jen forever. People are like, oh, yeah, all right. Like, sure. <laughs> that's that's going to be like, like running through my mind. I'm going to wake up at a, out of a cold sweat tonight. Jen for the weekend, Jen for the weekend. What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean? I think it means that like, you know, you're for the weekend. So like obviously working for the weekend, you know, I, I used to especially live for the weekends, you know, just the not just because of the lack of work or lack of school or what have you, but, you know, just the, the general freedom that it presents, you know, the opportunity there. I'm with you forever. Who doesn't love forever? <laughs> <laughs> oh gotta wrap this up now yeah, yeah we, now we, we need we've, to be done. we've reached our limits uh guys thank you um gruder golf uh we got a lot of listeners in chicago and atlanta so is there plans to expand outside new york and new england and if so uh or how can those those members you know look you guys up yeah so we we do have a membership option in chicago um but we want it to be clear. You do not need to be a member to attend our events. That's open to really anyone and everyone. Um, the membership is more geared towards, and we've talked about this, Matt, but like it's geared toward the beginner golfers that are starting to take a little bit more seriously, want more access to, you know, different opportunities to play different girls to play with. Um, probably like the, the precursor to new club or joining new club. If you're thinking of it on a, on a spectrum, but um, yeah, we, we've had big plans to get to Chicago for a number of years. Now, my family lives in Chicago, so that's my home base when I am going home. And we had big plans in 2020, obviously had to skirt those. So we hope to be coming back in the fall. I think we've outlined or like, I don't think we have a specific date, but we've circled the fall as, as a targeted date to, to make our appearance in Chicago. But until then we're going to have the weekend warm up series at five iron golf, which is the first Friday of every month. Um, so that's actually kicking off in March. So March 5th is the first Friday in, in Chicago that will offer that. Um, and then we'll continue to do, you know, things with five iron to kind of get us through the winter months in Chicago. And then, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for something outdoors, maybe late summer, late summer, early fall is I think what we're aiming for. Awesome. Awesome. Eyes are definitely on Atlanta for the future too. Atlanta is one of our favorite cities collectively, I think. Um, and really love it there. I would love to do some events down there. And we'll also have a virtual offering that anybody can attend, um, coming up this spring. So when this episode comes out in March, um, we'll already have had the first one. 
but it's going to be Gruder Golf Sunday service, which will be a virtual, um, it's stuff called a clinic. I think it's more of just kind of like a vibe, <laughs> a virtual worship. It'll be a golf. virtual worship of golf, um, that which we're holding in partnership with five iron golf and an West. hour and a half, you know, yes. with some sort of instruction, but less, um, less of a focus on, you know, beginner clinic and more kind of on, you know, fundamentals and things that can appeal to all levels. Um, also with a nice, a nice little fun Q and a from us at the end. Awesome. Love. Awesome. Well, congrats on all the success guys. Keep, keep rocking. We, uh, we love the support and hopefully we'll all be playing golf at some point. Right. So if you do make Definitely. it over to Chicago this year, that's, that's tee it up Let's for sure. It. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So fun. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you fun. soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we're at New Club Golf. This episode was produced by Mark Caldwell with research assistance by Jim Sitar. The bag drop is supported by members of New Club Golf Society and our official partners. Golf Blueprint is the official partner of this year's spring meeting at Sweetens Cove. Started by fellow new club members Kevin Moore and Nico Doris, Golf Blueprint creates research-driven improvement plans tailored to your game. If you are a member of New Club, you can sign up directly in the app for your exclusive Golf Blueprint membership. You will receive six Golf Blueprint practice plans delivered monthly at a 25% discount. If you are not a member of New Club, head over to golfblueprint.com and start your improvement plan today.